to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total photonic reversal. Photonic reversal. With your hosts, Conan Neutron and Brenna Betts. Broadcasting from the top floor of the Radio Milk World headquarters in Oakland, California. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. I'm, I'm from the South. <laughs> I'm a Southern Belle. Confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. I'm known for many things, and strong invectives are one of them. Conan, you have a lot going on right now. It means something. Well, we all deserve to be recognized. See anything wrong with, you know, being into the stuff you're into. 150 people with a massive crowd, you know. We'll sing you a song. You may be led astray. Meatloaf has a Christmas album. What an excellent professional segue that was. Well, I'm very curious about Math Rock. You no, know, I kind of know the sound man for Rob Zombie. And presenting you the illusion of choice. We will impress you later. Yeah, it's a very good question. And I like it because that'll be getting a middle and an end. Could not be more professional. Get you pumped up. We have answers. I just want to bring something up that I noticed via postings on the internet. You know, that's my take on it. What's yours? Protonic reversal! That's like a science thing, right? Yeah! In your face! Upside your head! What's up, party people? Hello, everybody. Hello, 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 hello! Hello! Hello, welcome! Hello, welcome to the show! Time for the one, the only... Protonic Reversal. We thank you for joining us. Should be a great show. We got uh, Mr. Tom Hazelmeyer of... uh, (laughs) Of Amphetamine Reptile Records. Looking forward to talking to that guy. That's going to be badass. Uh, he's he's done a lot of amazing things. Yeah, Fenrir Reptile was a, a very interesting label. And kind of present tense is a very interesting label as well. It's a uh, they ongoing. Hello, Brenna Betts. Hello. Brenna Betts, of course, in studio. There you go. It's me. 
amphetamine reptile is that like could that also be wasted gator i, I we, we will find out all these answers and more <laughs> when we have mr hazelmeyer on uh, a little later on well you know amphetamine reptile don't you i i don't actually know if i know i probably oh. know without knowing but yeah, sometimes nine, nine, we know things without knowing that we know them are you talking about known unknowns <laughs> <laughs> known unknowns knowing things without knowing them and sometimes not knowing things before you know them <laughs> you're, you're killing me there are reports that there is no evidence of a direct link between baghdad and some of these terrorist organizations there are oh. known knowns there are things we know we know we also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. <laughs> but there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. <laughs> Excuse me. I'd like to point out that's our former Secretary of Defense saying that nonsense, and that was not a bit. <laughs> you can't, Sometimes you can't even come that's up with comedy that actually, good. actually, truthfully, why I giggled just then, because <laughs> that's a real ass can thing. be so stupid sometimes, including myself in the things that I say or we say. True, but none of us are in elected office, and none of, none of us are setting foreign policy. I but. did want to be the first woman president when I was a kid, but then I decided, as I've talked about in the past, that that was way too much responsibility. It's a lot of responsibility. I mean, that's <laughs> on the real. That's, yeah. Anyway, so we're, we're going to be talking to Tom Hazelmeyer. Tom Hazelmeyer, Amphetamine Reptile, uh, is a very important record label uh, lifestyle brand, I suppose, for a certain type of warped individual, <laughs> such as myself. And we'll get uh, much more into it with Tom. Agro kind of noise rock thing in the in the 90s. I founded it in um, late 80s, 86, I believe. And from there, put out all kinds of really badass bands, tons of them. I and mean, stuff like, uh, you know, Boss Hog was on there. Um, and, uh, you know, a little more mainstream stuff. But also The Cows who were incredible. Uh, you know, there's there's so many amazing bands that are on there. And of course, uh, lots of Melvin stuff as well. And all of the really badass artisanal Melvin 7 Inches and stuff with the crazy line, um, woodblock cut. Woodblock cut? Sure. <laughs> are, <laughs> Go with it. I'm running with it. Uh, are all done by him. He, he And he kind of, he's moved into this this crazy visual style that he applies to his his friends in the Melvins to make a thing that is uh, quite remarkable, actually. A thing that's quite remarkable? Yeah. I mean, if you ever look at any of the Melvins stuff that uh, he that puts out through Amphetamine Reptile, as well, as well as the other limited issue Amphetamine Reptile stuff, it's really, like, made with love. Like, it's, like, handcrafted, like, really great stuff. And so, from a visual art standpoint, interesting guy as well. And has a very specific... And look and feel. It's good. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the dude. I'm actually really excited for this. I mean, not like, <laughs> unlike the rest of the shows where I completely phone it in. Uh, no, I'm I'm really excited to talk to Tom and see see what see what's up. See what's up in the world of uh, Tom Hazelmeyer. So that's exciting. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm by proxy excited. Excited by proxy. A- I've been awake since very early this morning, so okay. it's not visible right now, but. <laughs> the, the excitement while not maybe palpable uh is going to be forthcoming yes then is what you're saying i still haven't seen you in a couple weeks yeah it was, we've been uh yes yeah, a lot a lot that's a lot that's been happening how was your halloween fine loki we uh kind of lamored out on doing anything I, I, and it, i feel like 
there used to be like things to do other than going to a show. And I love going to shows. Don't get me wrong. Is it just me or has the art of the house party kind of fallen by the wayside? Yeah, people and don't have house parties anymore. I, I got a really cynical response. It was like, what do you expect? We're all old now. Blah, blah, blah. This and that. That's right. part of it, but I don't think that's To which I said, shut up, dad. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think my dad did chime in on that thread. <laughs> uh, but like, it, it kind of bummed me out a little bit. So I was like, well, Yeah, I'm, it's funny because I noticed a, people never want to commit. At, to anything ever so then but especially you, on those big days right you end up kind of doing not much anything and uh, you know i don't know like uh, on paper this is this is a holiday i like I halloween know. and then yeah. like we didn't really do that much anything we had like some sort of vaguely amorphous costume ideas that we sort of like didn't really follow up on and then was sort of like oh do you want to do this want to do that no no not really and so it's like and that's what exactly what happened last year too and it just was there yeah. was nothing that there was nothing very exciting well, <laughs> to be I going mean, on. It's okay to not do stuff too. It know? is, but I don't know. I didn't do anything last year, and for a couple of reasons that are unfortunate, I didn't do anything. But at the same time, I made that decision, and I was fine with it. Therefore, this year I went a little big. <laughs> Because I magically had the weekend off. Oh, okay. Which is an atypical thing for you, of course. It's atypical because I work in the service industry. And I went out both nights since it was on a Saturday night. And on Friday night, I went to a really awesome cover show that had this band called um, uh, The Dead Girls. It was a cover band for the Dead Boys. And it was all females. (laughs) And they were all dressed up. And they were really great. Like, they did a really great job. And then my friends and I left and went to this dance party that was actually, like, they said it was an eviction party. But truthfully, their leaseholder moved out and they can't afford the rent anymore, which is not exactly an eviction. But it is a sad and unfortunate situation that's happening to a lot of people. It's not uncommon. It was really sad, actually. But it was very cool because they had an entire attic space that was their living room. Mm -hmm. And since they're moving, there's no furniture in it. Everyone had space to uh, dance. And there were only like 20 people there. And there was a balcony on the backside overlooking the mission, which Mm -hmm. was really cool. But also like the space was the entire top floor attic of the building. So people were like skateboarding around the room, which was really cool. It's like a whole thing. But I was standing on the back of the balcony and just looking out over the mission. And I was like, you know, this is like bittersweet in so many ways because it's becoming inaccessible. <laughs> it's become like an anachronism of sorts it's, almost, right? I it's mean, becoming so inaccessible to have like beautiful spaces like that and be able to enjoy like how great and beautiful San Francisco is. I'm my a very lovely friend of mine is, uh, moving back to Canada where her parents live tomorrow and having a good goodbye party tonight. And one of those roommates in that house actually, I think moved to Brooklyn. Okay. That So it's like people are fleeing and it's just, it's so unsettling. It's so unsettling to be around that. And so that was like a really interesting first evening. And then on Halloween <laughs> proper, I went to a dance party at, um, the cat club in Soma. Have you ever been to the cat club? I have. Yeah, actually, an uh, ex-roommate of mine uh, is tied up in that. Yeah, he's he's a, yeah. a guy that is at larger. Yeah. I found out once I arrived, well, my friends and I were bar hopping before we went there. And like, so I was already a little 
a little tipsy before we arrived. And then we arrived and like, I was like, oh, I've been here once before. And my friend was DJing. So I kind of like felt an obligation to pay the $10 fee and go in. And it was really fun. I danced on a stage in my costume in front of like all these people, which. Which was sexy garbage bag. <laughs> no. <laughs> Damn, nice. Wasted opportunity. We got well, hey, I, we got you sorted for next, next week. Year. Next, next year. Next year I'm going to be sexy garbage bag. Yeah. Uh I I was the bride of Frankenstein. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. It, did, you, did you wear a wig or was it a whole I I like teased my hair up um and it's short enough and I have very curly hair that I was able to like tease it up and pin it back so it just went straight back like her hair does in the mm-hmm. movie and then I painted the gray streaks into my hair and I uh, used makeup to make stitches all the way down my chin and throat and it, it worked. I have photos. It worked out pretty well. Good. It was awesome. convincing. It was really fun. It was just really funny because for one thing, I saw photos of me dancing on stage later and I was like, wow, that's not what I thought I looked like in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Uh, in, in retrospect, it looks way differently than I remember it. Yeah, uh, that's... But that's fine. Um, it was really fun and I got super wasted and then they started kicking everyone out and I didn't realize at the time, but there was a time change that happened on Halloween. It sure was. Which is a unique experience. And for those, uh, for the listening audience, one of the things I noticed uh, here at the top floor of the Radio Nope World headquarters, I was like, why does it seem darker than it normally is? And I, I realize it's the first show we've done since the time change. Yeah, it's this weird adjustment that everyone seems to be suffering from lately. There's a lot of intensity in the air lately. I'm hearing from people and I'm experiencing this like intensity this week that's like almost unbearable. It's just like everyone's kind of bombed or like there's just like an emotion. There's a lot of other stuff going on I was reading about. Um too but it's just it's been an interesting week for me personally and i think a lot of other people and yeah i i was like why are they being so aggressive kicking us out of this bar it's only one one ten a.m and then i realized the next day um i had missed a bunch of details that e- evening including a phone call and my debit card and the fact that the time oh change <laughs> the time change happened therefore we were actually there until 3.10 a.m., oh. which is why they were being so aggressive to get us out, and I therefore get left out. my debit card to just get out because I was wasted, and I was like, okay, I'll leave. Sorry, guys. No, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> right. I'm not trying to be yeah. a problem. It's just my friend is DJing. They actually offered to let me stay in, but my other friends had already gone out, and I was like, well, I can't like separate the group like that. Like I could stay, and but that would be like a dick move on my part to you know, alienate my friends. Yeah, for I sure. Did, I didn't. I so what you got to do in that point is you got to just mention to everybody that uh, there's... Uh, that is to say we know there are some things we do not know. <laughs> but there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know, we don't know. <laughs> and of course, as you know, Protonic Reversal... Protonic Reversal. ...is your source for political humor from nearly 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's listen to a tune. This is... Wars.
Yeah! That's right, baby! Oh, that's a little polite, isn't it? <laughs> there we go. All right. Yeah, that's too polite. I don't have a cool yeah like that. Audience, have, please. Can I, can I, like, can we work on my... Your, your uh, Kelly yeah. Bundy style entrance. I don't, Kelly Bundy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what is her entrance? Can you? You know, you don't remember that Married with Children? That was the I thing. definitely remember Married with Children. I don't Well, every time she would entrance. come, she would come on the screen, uh, come on the screen. And every time she Great, would, yeah. Yeah, everything yeah, yeah. she would walk on, the, the crowd would like go wild because she was, you know, popular character, pretty girl, etc. Yeah. Uh, you don't, you don't remember that? Like, it's, it's very, okay. Well, anyway. I don't remember the intricate details of that show i do remember al bundy with his hand in his pants yeah i, I, I remember their son apparently 10 years like back for topical hair. humor is not good enough for me i'm going to go back even further but uh oh yeah i should mention that's horrors bloody like the day you were born which is off Ooh. of the <laughs> <laughs> dope guns and fucking in the streets volume 13 by none of than amphetamine reptile records and that is uh christian uh, was on the show you were not hear that show that was that was just me and him talking on the internet oh saying aids sex and location to each other and over and over again uh interesting <laughs> that's not true uh but anyway yeah yeah so uh during during the break you're talking about a thing that you wanted to oh uh, yeah <laughs> talk, um, about, talk about well i i got two tattoos last week two tattoos say that okay. 10 times fast um and both of my tattoo artists who are both amazing artists um one of which is Jared Powell out of Glass Beetle Tattoo in Santa Rosa. This episode brought Powell. to you by Jared Powell, Glass Beetle. The other one is um, someone that I, I know a little better and is a very wonderful soul, Ian Harper. Uh, um, he tattoos out of Buddha's Palm in Sebastopol. Both of them mentioned Joe Rogan and the Joe Rogan Experience, his podcast. Ah, yes. I know people that like that show. <laughs> specifically the episode ian ian and i were talking about a lot of really interesting things including aliens and egyptians and uh, other dimensions but he mentioned uh this guy wim hoff who's currently breaking lots of world records because he has learned how to control his body through breathing exercises and okay this guy has been mentioned to me before um his nickname is the Iceman, and i just uh, finally had the time to listen to the interview that he did. <laughs> the Iceman, huh? The Iceman, because he can control his body is, is, temperature. Is is Firestar and Spider-Man around as well? Okay, well, yeah. I don't think he wait, came wait, wait. up with that uh, name. Also, uh, ad- additionally, where was Goose in this? I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, sorry. Continue, please. I mean, yeah, well, anyways. I'm, I'm not... <laughs> So, all right, the Iceman. He, Sorry, he's, I got he's, distracted he, by the. He's real <laughs> the good at breathing. <laughs> Again, like, how do I respond? I know, and the Phoenix uh, uh, Storm. Um, <laughs> well, what's Wolverine. funny? What's Wolverine. funny? Wolverine. What's <laughs> funny one. about that is that's an even older reference than the other two old references I had earlier. That's from like Spider-Man is Amazing Friends, which was like a cartoon when I was a kid. Well, it just means you're old. Yeah, well, I guess so. I'm, I'm okay. pro- proving the point here. Anyway, continue, please. No, and very this well, guy's real good at breathing. You're very well versed. No, he's. Figured- I think I say he's well preserved. Well, okay. <laughs> well versed, prolific, well preserved, all those things. Anyways, um, he has figured out how to control his body in such a minute, like precise way to be able to control his endocrine system and oh, wow. control okay. his body temperature and adrenaline levels. 
so that he can actually um, cure ailments. Like they've injected, scientists no are kidding. testing wow. him All right. uh, to find out how he does this. And he, <laughs> how much does he charge for this for the service? He doesn't charge anything. Oh, okay. He's just for, the, for the betterment of. Uh... He truly is doing it for the betterment of world of mankind and the world. Like it's amazing to What's listen. This dude's to name him. Al Bundy. Is that was that right? No, it's Wim Hof. W I M H O F. It's amazing what he's doing, and science is, it's changing science, actually, because he can teach this to other people. He's a Dutch daredevil, commonly nicknamed the Iceman, for his ability to withstand extreme cold. Oh, there's a pretty badass picture of him, like, in lotus position on, like, an ice flow. He looks... Yeah, it's amazing. Like, dude is a a wonderful, amazing human being. And it's, like, beautiful and inspiring to listen to him talk. He's truly genuinely a pure soul and with only the best intentions and he self-taught himself how to do all of this stuff how to cold kick it on ice flows how to yeah and basically off no, of i mean that, that's that's awesome through stuff. tragedy just... in his life it motivated <laughs> him to learn how to do this and he's changing science because of it through meditation and breathing exercises and he took people up mount everest in shorts People with um, multiple sclerosis. Oh, wow. He took them up the mountain in shorts in two days. Mm. They hiked this mountain. They didn't like take a helicopter or anything? No, they didn't cheat. All right. All right. Fair enough. You, everyone should look him up. I swear. It's, it's going to change the future, I think. Okay. Well, look up that and let's listen to this.
All right. Well, that was real fucking nasty. And I don't just mean that was a real nasty track because it was nasty in all the best possible ways. That was the Melvins with real fucking nasty with a uh, with a certain special guest, I might add, which was uh, Mr. Tom Hazelmeyer, who we are going with. Got it. <laughs> Do you have cr- stuff crossed? <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, two, get stuff crossed, extra large, two large sausage, one with no Utah, cheese. Make it two. Don't fuck around. I want my pizza. Uh, Tom, welcome to the show, man. You guys are fucking wrong. Is this not Pizza Hut? Hey, this is not. This is not Pizza Hut. Sorry. This isn't Pizza Hut. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> you fucked well, up. I guess I answer my own question on the potty mouth policy. Yeah, you, you're you're fine. You can say whatever you like, man. Uh, before that, uh, just real quick, okay, before, okay. before we get into it, was Gay Witch Abortion with Two Rats and a Pimp, which is off of the new one. Gay Witch Abortion. Gay hmm. Witch Abortion. Yes. Who? Kind of win the win the game for the most badass kind of like offensive-ish. Yeah, that kind of doesn't make any sense either. They're great too. <laughs> they're they're fantastic. Well, that's kind of what makes it awesome. I know that's the point, right? This doesn't make any sense. Evocative. Exactly. That's, those two things are the same. Anyways, moving on. Tom, I'm so sorry about the pizza, but uh, hey, welcome to the show, man. Welcome. I'm just soaking over here. <laughs> Tom Hazelmeyer. Soaking, but I'm not going to get my pizza. When I was. <laughs> Tom Hazelmeyer is, uh, of course, do now? Of, of incredible amphetamine reptile records and not going to get his pizza right now. That Gay Witch Abortion, that's off the new one. Now, think about Gay Witch Abortion. They were a band that I knew about from the first run, and then they, they kind of came back. They're local boys uh, to you, be, local being Minneapolis, right? Uh, yeah, even more than local. Like uh, Jesse, guitar player, was pretty much my uh, little brother's best friend. Like I literally knew him as a kid when we were kid kids. Oh, wow, okay. Um. And he's been, yeah, those guys have been around me up. I'm not sure how long Gay Witch itself has been around. Probably, I think, five, six, seven years, something like that. Um, we've uh, done a few projects together. I really, really like those guys a lot. Two Rats and a Pimp was an EP we did together. I played bass because normally they're just a two-piece guitar and drums. Right, and they fill a lot of... So it's like, I have a bass. <laughs> they, they fill a lot of air, too, with that. With just the two pieces, you know, I can I can speak to them like they. It's awesome, but yeah, it's cool that it was it was interesting. To hear. Oh, they they have no need for a bass player, <laughs> right? They have no need for a bass player. It's just a that's how I wedged my way in. Like I got a bass, come on, I'll, I'll play. Nice. So it worked out nicely that way. And also, we we should mention that uh, we played uh, that song, uh, real fucking nasty, as well. You're you're on that. That's a Melvin song, but people don't really know that version. We had some people asking about it. There was a, right after I did uh, this big project called The Purge of Dissidents, where I did a whole soundtrack for a bunch of uh, cartoons by the artist Dalek. And uh, was still doing, kept doing music where I would do pretty much everything. Um, like we jam with a drummer and then like do splicing and put stuff together. And I did a lot of that stuff with uh, Dale and Buzz. So there was one song I did as a Melvin song, and then Buzz came in and finished it up with me. So it's kind of uh, arranged it, and then Buzz laid down guitar. I did some guitar as well, but it's like Buzz, Dale, and me pretty much. Right, and that that's a song that uh, I, I believe exists in another forum on, uh, the, the, which one was it? <sighs> Bright Screen Murder, another Melvin's record. I, I don't remember. Oh, change the name of it. It's a little different. Yeah, he, he, oh, which one was that? So I think it's pretty much the same. I think he just remastered it. Oh yeah, and changed the title. <laughs> there you go. 
Well, there you go. Well, it's a, it's a great song. It's a, awesome to hear that version. Of course, that version is on a uh, split with... Now, it's not Halo of Flies. It's HOF, right? Can you give me the d- distinction between that? The distinction is uh, Halo of Flies is a three-piece, and HOF was basically me and the um, drummer, the original drummer from Halo of Flies, John Anglin. Patty Costello from Dillinger 4 does vocals on, on a lot of the stuff. I did some of the vocals, but it was just kind of... One of those things where it's like it wasn't the same band, but it was. So it's kind of in a, it's kind of a conundrum. Like, what do you call it? I don't want to start from scratch. But at the same time, I hate when somebody's just trying to milk the old thing. But it is the old thing. I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing. So we just kind of settled on HOF. Gotcha. So it's kind of a defer, uh, deference, if you will, respect to the non non there dude. I mean, yeah, because the the ultimate culmination of that, of course, is the band Sweet, who I love. Who, but at one point, you know, so dysfunctional. There was the guitar players' versions and like the bass player's version, like touring in different areas at the same time. You know, very Spinal Tap that way. Oh yeah, I think they still do that. I think there's still two versions touring. Like one one guy has the states and the other guy has Europe or something. I just read something <laughs> along those lines. Recently. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty absurd. It's like hey, Which is always, it's always horrendous when you get to. I I always, I always refer to that as the the state fair era of any band. You know, <laughs> when they're Tour doing the state fair, state fairs of the world, and it's like got one original member if you're lucky. So, right. so you know, band so, members you know, are like Carnies? the most original member is the third string bass player. Right? <laughs> yeah, he he filled in for like one tour, and somehow he, he got the it band. Was only missing one finger. <laughs> 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 state fairs, Carnies. Oh, yeah. I get, I get it. I get yeah, it. exactly. Got it. Well, yeah, and you know, it's the, that that's certainly an ethos and certainly a, a type of of rock and roll, but it's, it's, it's interesting to me that, well, Halo flies uh, is Alice Cooper reference. Correct. I mean, I assume it's from the song. Oh yeah, totally. Which I love. Uh, I, I am on, on the album killer. Yeah. I absolutely love early Alice Cooper killer. Love it to death. Uh, you know, billion dollar babies, such an amazing rock band that kind of, you know, was mean as hell and great. I feel like there's kind of like a corollary between that and the kind of stuff that amphetamine reptile kind of played your trade on. No, no doubt. No doubt. A massive, massive influence just on every level. Um, yeah, especially, I mean, basically when it's the Alice Cooper band, you know, and everything was fucking amazing. You know, there's very few moments where I'm kind of like, meh. And it was pretty much from, uh, when he ejected the band on, that's where it's kind of touch and go. Yeah. And I mean, there's a few tunes, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. And uh, and you started Amphetamine Reptile ostensibly to release your own records, to re- release your own band's record, Halo of Flies stuff. But it kind of turned into this whole thing where it was, I mean, speaking personally, it was a label that was very important. That I kind of knew that if I saw that logo that said Amphetamine Reptile, which I love that it had the noise behind it. It was sort of like you kind of knew what you were getting into. Like, oh, this is going to be some freaky, cool stuff. And... Uh, that, that was that something that, that did you... yeah, and, the, and the noise behind it was just like could it could, the, the word noise behind there was pretty much just a aesthetic graphic flourish it wasn't like a, a intended to ever be genre specific or any more thought than that it could have been fuck you know it, <laughs> right just like what looks good like noise works perfect you know, it makes it a nice kind of squared off image versus like kind of just an oblong thing yeah and, and it kind of kind of grabbed grabbed people's attention it seemed to more more so than intended. You know, even though even the label name itself wasn't really intentional. It was just for uh, our own records, which 
pretty much expected to get us onto a real label. So it was just like uh, the, the, the thought of a label name was completely like, we can do something completely fucking goofy because it doesn't fucking matter. You'd suck with it 35 years later. <laughs> yeah. and But it, it, it's become like almost like a lifestyle brand. Like it's someone like, oh, if you know, like if you know someone that's, that is into amphetamine reptile stuff, you know, they're like, oh, cool. So I can talk to you about the cows. I can talk to you about, you know, how badass early helmet was. Like it's sort of like a shorthand for a certain sort of cultural paradigm that I'm, you know, deeply rooted in. I mean, I guess, when did you uh, get to the point of kind of going to beyond Halo of Flies? Like what, what was, what was the impetus behind releasing other band stuff? I mean, I really enjoyed the whole process of putting together records from the getting the sleeve together and, and stuffing them, just the whole the whole thing. And at that point in time, uh, Steve Turner just split from Green River and was doing uh, the Throne Ups. Oh, right, and it of really course, yeah. me to do the record, which I didn't, you know, I was kind of like, like, do your own damn record. It's really easy. And <laughs> he, he was really persistent, and uh, I actually really liked, liked what he was doing, the whole idea behind it, so... It was just kind of like, oh, sure, we'll just do this one, too. And, you know, we did a couple of records with the Throne Ups while we were still doing Halo Flies. And then uh, I think it was the U-Men who were next in line to go, you know, hey, do a single with us. We, we want to get a single out right now. I can't remember what they had going on at the time. That, that's where, this, you know, the snowball started rolling, concentrating on doing as much other stuff as our, as our own thing. Right. And that's, you know, that way that's kind of like, you know, formative that, of course, Steve, Steve Turner, Mudhoney. You know, no, <laughs> which is you know pretty notable thing. But it it, it seems like the, yeah. the, there's like a no BS attitude with the amphetamine reptile stuff. That is sort of like they didn't necessarily all the bands didn't exactly sound the same, even though was, the label is known for a certain thing. But there definitely seemed to be just a like no time for anyone's prima donna BS sort of uh, motif going on. If I'm not off base, yeah, not a lot of that, not a lot of preciousness going on. Um. You know, which, which, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, you know, it, it gets considered an aesthetic, but I think it was just more a grounded sensibility of just getting shit done. And yeah, I mean, you know, no, like you said, like a kind of a no bullshit attitude about it. Um, and a lot of people shared a lot of the same aesthetic at the end of the day, you know, as far as it's kind of funny if you honed in on somebody's, uh, uh a band the way they sounded, it, you know, it's it kind of funny that sh- sure as shit, you know, certain other things followed, like, you know, no, we're not into wearing tutus. No, we don't, you know, I don't know. <laughs> right. It, it isn't. It became what... like a big, big, happy group of, of, uh, troublemakers. Right. And so then, uh, so that kind like of, I, need, I think we need to do like a, a, a walkie talkie over out thing. <laughs> over, over. Like after I finish sentence, I'll go over. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, over. That leads me to talking about the dope guns and fucking the streets compilations, of which there, there were many of them. Uh, was was that just an extension of that worldview of of kind of like everyone sort of banding together for like the pragmatic, like hey, let's just do cool stuff and like forget all the nonsense kind of thing? Because you had a lot. I mean, those compilations were. Well, that one actually was. Initially, it was it was a uh, it was a bizarre fluke. It was a, a there was a, a a kid named Mike who was doing a fanzine at the time and wanted to. He, we were talking about doing a record inside the the fanzine, so I pulled that together. Was talking with uh, you know talking to Steve Turner about having a thrown ups track. He's like, 
by the way, I got a brand new band I'm starting out, and I'll send you a track. It's called Mud Honey. And he sent it to me. It was fucking awesome. So <laughs> wow. jumped on that. And <laughs> you, man, I mean, that's why the whole record was so, so Seattle, you know, centric, because I had just left Seattle at that point in time. And then the fan thing just never materialized. Um, so it's basically like scrambled and uh, pulled together a cover and just threw it out there, you know, with not, you know, everything was kind of see the pants at that point in time. So it was and, a, uh, so it was a it compilation. Really, really took off, so. Sorry, I forgot to say over. Uh, it was a compilation for a fanzine that never, <laughs> that never ended up coming out basically is, is how it came, came to be. Exactly. And it would have probably been disastrous because there's, you know, had it been with a fanzine, there'd have been no way to recoup the money put into it, which was probably, you know, half of our working budget at that point in time, we were doing one record at a time. As soon as the money came back in, do the next record, you know, type of deal. It was literally out of the back empty bedroom in, in an apartment in Minneapolis when I got out of service. Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was just a, a great, you know, fuck up that worked totally worked to my advantage, which is that the zine just never happened or materialized. So it's like, pursued it the other way and then it became more of a you know then, then the, whole, the whole concept kind of gelled r- rather quickly which is like well this is you know great it took off really big out of the gate so i was able to pursue um some bands that weren't going to be on the label that had a bigger reputation you know uh like rock from the crypt or jesus lizard or you know go down the list who are interested in doing it because it, it for a compilation it did really well and got attention so it wasn't the usual compilation scenario where you're just pissing your time away and throwing away a track, basically, you know, so that comp that'll sell 47 copies and wind up in the used bin within 26 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it, it, it was, it, it was great that it kind of broke out and kept, you know, got people's attention and, and we were able to, you know, cause the formula was try to land a big band, a couple big bands and then put on unknown bands with them. Right. So a lot of bands, that was kind of their uh, way they broke into it. Um, off the top of my head, I can't remember some of the bands who that was their first track where they appeared, but there was there was a couple of those. Well, I mean, there was a certain air of mystery about AMREP and the stuff you put out because you could have put out something that was just crazy, insane music from Pluto. And then there could be something that like, oh, that's just like good rock and roll that does not compromise in any way, shape or form. And you could do both of those things, and there was very few labels that. I mean, now I guess it's, you know it's much more much more common. I mean, these are different times. Didn't seem like there were a lot of bands that would take the kind of risks. I guess that Amrap took over. <laughs> I'm not really sure how to how to how to how to uh, quanti- quantify that. I mean, there was a, a shared element where a lot of people, like myself, uh, it, a lot of a lot of the people in the bands. And that worked at the label, myself included, kind of all came out of hardcore. I mean, I, I was into punk rock previous to like the big hardcore explosion, but I really, uh, you know, latched onto that and loved, loved what was happening, you know, uh, 81, 82, you know, that's where I cut my teeth shows and, and, uh, bands at my first bands that ever played out in public and stuff like that. And, and, uh, even though we all loved it, everyone realized, and I think, you know, worldwide, everyone realized how uh, strangulated that formula became rather quickly. 
So I think when it, when it was come to phase two, like we're, we're pursuing the label and my personal taste, it was like, you didn't want to be latched onto just one formulaic thing. Like all covers should fit this, you know, the, the Tim Yohannan school of, of rock and roll. <laughs> right. Like here, here's the, here's the rule book. In one yeah. Hand. The uniform guide, these shorts can only come down to here. Uh, this haircut is not acceptable. These three haircuts are totally acceptable unless this one's in pink. Um, just that, that kind of shit. Was you know trying to run away from that as much as possible, but at the same time the 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 sounds I loved, you know the way I used to say it back then too when people would say it was it was formulaic it was like the only formula is that we like extreme you know energy noise. Well, uh, yeah, I mean raw power, you know, kind of thing, which which includes that definition in my mind goes from you know includes Slayer and the birthday party and Chrome and all sorts of shit that's not. You know, EGs and the jerks fit that bill. Right. Um, and that that's all bands, you know, everything I'd rattled off, I loved. So it's just like if somebody came along that obviously had been influenced, you know, heavily influenced by, you know, no wave, I'm not turning it down. I love that stuff. You know, if somebody was, uh, you know, it, it spun the birthday party albums one too many times and you could kind of tell, but they were doing it right. Fuck, come on in, you know. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it's um, it, like like bands over. like Tar, over. <laughs> over, bands like Tar, you know, like they they were a band that you know they they, I, I love like to me like when I first heard them, I was like, what wow, what are these guys up to? This is like crazy. I don't really under, at the time I didn't really even understand what what it was they had going on, but I knew I liked it. I was like, oh, that's super bizarre, interesting. They like this kind of hang on one part for like a while, and then they sort of change, and they kind of do whatever the hell they want, but it's like very aggressive and, and cool and neat. Well, I think a big a big factor too that I think I think it kind of more existed than it's like every, no one comes out of vacuum. Everyone has their influences. You know, hopefully you're not wearing it under your sleeve. Right. Um, you know, to where it's just like, you know, you can tell every record I listen to because everything I do sounds just like them. But it seems like at that point in time, too, there was people were still able to come up with stuff that was new and different, which I think has been, you know, severely lacking for the past decade or so. Where it's like, you know, people are more not ashamed to have it right there. You know, it's like, I'm ripping off the Stooges. No for no. Yeah, the whole regurgitation factor has become such a huge, overwhelming thing where it's just like, I think people forgot that there was a future. Yeah, you know, strike out, make your own thing. Yeah, it's like there's the, the ripping off the Stooges with all the facile elements and none of the actual danger or immediacy or originality to what them what they're doing. And and that's something that you know, and I, I agree with you. I think that that's something that it's a lot easier to just make. Oh, we're genre music. We're like you know a quote unquote post punk band, which basically means oh, you have like two gang of four records. Yeah. <laughs> and uh like an asymmetric haircut cool good on you <laughs> wow dang <laughs> and i know exactly which song that one's based on right i know what song you based that one on you know just that, that type of thing i wish i could hear something now like that i didn't just you know arnold schwarzenegger terminator style where the computer screen's rattling off <laughs> down the list of like oh that's pants <laughs> you know weirdos black flag you know when you hear something now you can instantly and i don't think it's age or, or you know either it's just like i have something people are trying as hard to come up with something fucking different well ultimately i don't i don't think it's that goddamn kids <laughs> get off my lawn 
Exactly. <laughs> Goddamn kids. What? Do something different on my lawn. Look <laughs> <laughs> at my black flag on there. Change it up. Well, and and I think that the unfortunate truth of it is that I think that's rewarded. I think it's rewarded for doing things that are familiar. Like people are like, oh, I know what that is. Cool. I'll, I'll check that out. That's a band that, you know, sounds just like this band with this other element rather than I like having like the increasingly rare opportunities of like, I have no idea what this is, band is going to do next or what this is going to look like. And it, yeah. I mean, I feel like people that are a little bit yeah. um, more hashtag basic reward that. <laughs> and unfortunately that would fall under the category of sheeple. Which there are a lot of sheeple in this world. There are. Most of them are running around when you're trying to get from point A to point B and getting in the way. Yeah. it's. I mean, there are just too many sheeple on the planet. No, I mean, well, it's hilarious because I'll see it on on, uh, on social media where, you know, right on the Amrit page where if you post what would be considered a, a, you know, punk rock standard, you know, Stooges video, someone comes up with something cool, oh, wow, it's cool, and you'll post it on there. It'll get you know five thousand likes, but if you find that weird fucking band that's in L.A. or Toledo or you know whatever, like wow, this is really cool, and throw it up there, you'll see everyone kind of going, "Well, I'm not really sure what that is." I don't right? Know, I, I'm not gonna like that. Yeah, exactly. They're they're not taking that chance to explore. And it's, funny that. it's like, what the hell are you coming here for? You just go to the studio, you know, go to the. It's kind of the, the classic rock mentality. Right. I mean, yeah, that's true. And I've past thirty. I've, I think also like people have short attention spans and they are afraid to try something. I don't know. I mean, you would think that trying something new would be refreshing, but maybe it's unfamiliar. So it's, uh, they pass over it because there's so many other things that they can go towards. Well, it's definitely the attention span is affected by the whole, modern technology, social media set up. I mean, that's, that's a given. Everyone knows that. But I think it also, then people run around just shoring up and what they already believe in. Like, oh, yeah, that's right. I love the dancing. Like, oh, wow, pistols. You know what I mean? They're just like, right. Versus like, because of the shortened attention span, they're not bothering to look for that new thing of like, God, you know, I'm fucking, I'm never going to listen to the pistols again. I've heard it a kajillion fucking times. <laughs> right. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, the totally. What the, if they truthfully you know. haven't heard of it? And, and well, decide, do you think that happens? Like sure. maybe they just like somehow missed it, and then they're like, "Oh wait, I want to be cool too." Wait, I want to be in this scene, so I'm gonna go for the thing that everyone likes. Yeah, I mean, I think that happens, I, I, but I also think that you know what Tom, what Tom would talk about. It, it's it's kind of like the the principle of confirmation bias. Yeah, right? that's true. You know, like yeah. you. <laughs> You have you have this idea of like the kind of stuff you listen to, and then oh you, yeah, it's sort of like oh well that fits into my circle, or does not fit in my circle, or I don't know what that is. It fits into a couple circles, and because of that, I will not listen to it and give it the time. Yeah, that's unfortunate. No, I think part of it too is, is in technology too. Like if you think back in the past, a lot of big movements was a, a bunch of bizarre mingling of different groups that uh, normally might not have gotten together. If you look at you know. 70, 75 New York City or uh, London 77 or, you know, go to all these different places where something new and exciting happened. You had a lot of different weirdo groups coming together, you know, uh, that had no choice but to come together because there was no internet. 
Right. Right. Exactly. There was yeah. no way of finding other weirdos to get along with. But you were mixing with, you know, different, like, you went to a punk show and, you know, anytime between, you know, let's say 77 and 82, there would be these weird groups that no longer angle anymore, you know? There would be uh, the, the weirdo blue-collar kids in one corner, the, the uh, art school people in another area, you know what I mean? Like all uh, all these different groups, the, you know, usually lots of times the, the only place that would allow weirdo bands was like gay bars. So there was, you know, that element right. in there. You had all these weird groups coming together, so there was this cross-pollinization that was amazing. Unity. Whereas now, with the internet, it's like I can find a group of people that agree with me on 99% of the same thing. It's like, I want to find a group of people that only like paperbacks, Rickenbacker guitars, and the B-52. <laughs> and there's a thousand of us worldwide, and we've got our own little clique, and we don't ever let anything else influence us, and we don't see anything outside of that one little, you know thing and that's i think that's kind of a something we've lost you know because everyone can find their niche immediately they don't allow outside things to influence them that it's unsettling you you can be exposed to everything and you wind up being exposed to nothing right and and you're never exposed to anything new so there's never any growth yeah well it's (laughs) it's hard to go through growth it's unsettling it's uncomfortable it's awkward and so people are like well what's this awkward new stuff i don't know i'm afraid i'm gonna go over here Right. But I mean, also, we're in a really weird transitional time where I think, you know, people are becoming more and more apathetic. So they don't take a stand to engage in those sort of weird communities. Do you agree with that? Over. I, I definitely see, see a lot more of that. That's for sure. I was always one that was addicted to, like, I wanted to hear the new thing. I wanted yeah. something to hear something that I wasn't comfortable with. I'd never heard it before. That was always a, a, something I was looking for. You know, right. excited me. It's like, yeah, it's far too infrequent where I've, I've run across that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's sad too. It's, it's like, it's, it makes me worry about our future as far as lots of things, because creatively, like people should react to the world around them and express it. And that, and there's a lot of weird stuff going around that is very visible now because of the internet. Maybe it's always been happening, but we know this stuff is happening now because it's shared we have cameras everywhere we have videotapes and people should react to that and express it and like get it out and like sometimes that means it sounds weird when it comes out yeah and maybe just deal with it and not you know yeah <laughs> no, i mean I, I kind of, i've kind of wondered too because it's like on one hand stuff is easier than it's ever been it's easier to record than it's ever been yeah right it's easier to, to i mean you know you can sit on a on a decent um computer and make a movie uh, you know a totally decent quality movie you know like that, that capability wasn't there 30 years ago i mean it's, on one hand it's so much easier to create art music just you know spread out writing you know making film and getting it out there but on the other hand too it's like it's easier to not have to create anything than ever before yeah, that's I mean, true. a lot of times, a lot of people that you knew making fanzines 25 years ago or making bands was a reaction to the not having access to anything worth a fuck, you know? Right. right. Being stuck with nothing but top 20 radio when you're a kid in Michigan in the 70s. It's like, that's a good motivator to pick up a guitar because no one else is going to do it for you. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, you know, start starting that fanzine because there's no other way to find out about bands. You know? Right. 
on that hand, on that level, there's a you know a drive has been dissipated. Yeah. People are shaded easily. I totally a agree. A lot easier. Yeah, it's it's a little disturbing. It's cool. I, I have no idea which way it pans out. It's cool to be a part of inf- like in your role to be a part of influencing, you know, where things are going in a certain way because you're a part of that. I mean, do you feel like you're pushing things in a direction that reflects what you would like it to go or how you would like it to go? Um, it's never. I, mean, I, I, I would. That would seemingly, for my for my personality, be a little too cynical way of looking at it and I don't never approach things in that manner it's more usually as a booster like if I get excited about something an artist or a band or something I just you know want to help them and you know tell the whole world look at right. this look at this look at this look at this right. look at this I mean it's more of the drive than, than uh, you know I want to get everyone to smoke jetanes and talk about new wave French movies, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, I, exactly. I don't well, no, what I, people do. I, but I, I do, you know, it's like I, you do want to shake the CD in front of their face and go, like this, like this, like this. Yeah. It's so fucking great. I, I mean, that's, that's what I meant. I mean, in a positive know, an energy way. that definitely has always been a part of my drive. You're helping expose people and kind of like push things forward, I guess. Well, I mean, and, and there's the, you're, kept up with a you know there's more recent volumes of the dope guns and fucking in the streets like for instance that horror song earlier great band uh there that song is on there and there's also like the blind shake are on there who yeah. are incredible and they're active living bands that don't have like they aren't in like a subsect of a, like i think a lot of times when people age they use it as an excuse to stop putting any effort into finding anything new but i think i think that's completely awesome that you know you're going out there and you know, hopefully, you know, turning on people to like cool bands still, like after all this time, like, <laughs> yeah. And you know, it's, it's, you know, cool. I, I haven't hit that personal point that, that seemingly a lot of people hit. And I, I think that the, the norm is that the, 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 the standard, you know, everyone knows about that. Like, most people hit 30 and that's it. Whatever taste you evolved, that's it for the rest of your days. If, if your favorite bands were Led Zeppelin and, and voice or cult, that's it. You're gonna be 50 and talking about Led Zeppelin and Blue Oyster Cult, <laughs> right? And we all know those <laughs> those guys, those, you know, those gals, those people. Um, and I just never. I still want to hear new shit. I still want to hear a new band. It's like I, I love what I love, but I still, you know, always want another kick in the head. That's great. Sure, and, and always keeping the eyes peeled for it, and. Yeah, I mean, you, you, yeah. <laughs> you guys, uh, ba- I was just going to mention, at, at Bash 13, you had uh, friends of the show and show favorite, uh, Le Butcherettes play, who are like one of my favorite bands going right now. Yeah, they're really, really great and intense in a, in a really positive, good way, I think. And I thought it was awesome that you had, you know, it's, you had Le Yeah, Le- that was a total, a total surprise, too, because I hadn't seen, hadn't seen them live at that point. They, they definitely stomped it stomped it good yeah and i mean that's so you had little playing with uh you know bands like hammerhead and uh gay witch abortion things like that and it's you know when you have a band like that that for me like it seems like there's a straight line to the stuff that you have uh, that you have done historically along with the same sort of attitude just like complete no bullshit that happens with you know terry and company that was really cool to see i wish it could have been there honestly Speaking of which, Dan Garrison oh, yeah, says nice. hello. Sorry. Over. 
Uh, so is he still stuck in Illinois? <laughs> yes, he is. Hopefully, for not very much longer. <laughs> Good do that, Dan Garrison. I want to. I want to touch a little bit on your artwork, your physical artwork that uh, graces so many of the AMREP releases, uh, and I, I believe it's they're called Lino cuts, right? Am I, am I saying that right? Lino cut, Lino cut. How do you say that? Yeah. Linol. Lino cuts is basically just carving on linoleum instead of wood. It's yeah, so it's like a wood cut, but it's linoleum, basically. So it's like, Lino cut. That Lino makes cut. Sense. Yeah, like what? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. So is there? Uh, and it's like uh, you know, it's it's stepping out of the 19th century with the wood, jumping into the 20th century with linoleum. <laughs> right. Sooner, sooner or later, we'll figure out what's what's what you can carve. That's 21st century. And then I'll make that step forward. Um. But, uh, Computer yeah, like I, I motherboards. Like, like linoleum better than the, than the wood stuff. Well, and it, it gives a very interesting visual. Yeah, motherboard carving. <laughs> motherboard. <laughs> it gives a very interesting visual look to all the releases that uh, kind of has that unified aesthetic, but allows each one to have its own personality. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's I think that's kind of unique now. I think that's kind of being lost. You know, I, I, just like how with music and how it's easy to kind of just easily do a genre or something along those lines. I think in design, it's very easy to go with something that's like generally pleasing and doesn't really offend anybody. Whereas, you know, but something like, Oh, like some of this stuff is like crazy, you know, <laughs> propaganda posters, like through the eyes of somebody having an incredibly bad drug trip or something along those lines. And to me, I mean that as a compliment to be clear. Well, like that's, Thank you. Two two influences right there: bad drug trips and and the uh, communist propaganda posters. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a, it's the same thing. Like we were talking about dope guns earlier. It's just kind of rolling. It's like stuff just kind of popping up, doing different things, and then it kind of gelling into a a thing. For a while, there, I was doing a bunch of art shows across the country with with the the lino cuts, and I just kind of recently have come to the conclusion: it's like I much more enjoy. Like, you know, doing it, the art with a record, like doing stuff just specifically, fuck fine art, that whole idea. That's like, that's somebody else's shtick. Um, you know, it's bringing together all the, the elements that I like. And it's kind of, and it's a different take, a different take on the whole AMRA thing. Cause it's not, we're not trying to take over the world at the time. You know, it's not, uh, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to grow with the demands and, and have, you know, people calling radio stations about people doing this. We'll get this done. You know, it's like, that's just not in the cards. It's like literally just making, making art is, is more the approach than being a, you know, a, a quote unquote label, I guess. Right. It's, um, it's almost like a, our, that's kind of the drive right now. It's just like, you're doing the thing where it means more to the people that are into it too. And I think that's like super valuable because like, as you mentioned earlier, like with the, you know, the internet kind of making everything available, it, it kind of takes down some of the boundaries that used to be in place to get the word out, to get people, you know, aware of it now. It's well, part, of- and part of it too, is it's like, you know, like the, the uh, loving, loving the tactile, the real thing, you know, it's like the, what I like about art. If I get a piece of art, you know, buy a painting off somebody or, 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 you know, I love the object, you know, the having the thing. So it's like, you know, creating the thing in the, in the day and age, which is like, we all know music free. You know, it's like, no, there's no, if you put out a record and we only make three of them, 
the second one of them leaves the building, it will be online free within 26 minutes. <laughs> right. And I don't have a problem with that. That's, that's just life the way it is. You know, that's just how it is now. It's funny because uh, early, early on when we, meet, we started doing this, most of all of us was between me and Buzz getting this stuff rolling this way uh, for the melons. And it was funny because one time I was watching, it was one of the earlier projects we had done and somebody was complaining about the price on it. And I'm watching this thread live. Well, that's, a, you know, $25 for a single. That's a lot. Yeah, I don't know. What does it sound like? Hold on a minute. Post video on YouTube of the song. <laughs> right. Well, it's a pretty good song. I mean, literally the guy just gave away all the music because he posted it on YouTube. They're not even thinking about it. He's just like, and then, and then literally it was one of those moments you'd get in life where that thread's going on and then I, I got to say right then and there, and that's why it's $20. <laughs> right, because... You know, the music's free. You can have the music. Yeah. There's the song. You know, burn your MP3, put it on your, your fucking iPod, you got it. The song's yours. You want the little art object? You're going to pay for it. We're only making 300 of them, 400, that's it. That's what we do. Then we move on to the next thing, you know. Well, and that's what I was going to say is and, that uh, they, they're all limited the edition. People so. are starting to figure out that's... Well, the limited edition thing isn't so much to be limited in, in the sense of like we want to restrict it and be very elitist in a small group. It's so I can literally do 10 things in a year and not two. And you're you making know, if something I, if that's if worthwhile. Make you know? A thousand silkscreen sleeves or 2,000 handmade silkscreen sleeves and stuff them all and do them all and have them on the shelf and have them available for you know, a certain period of time. I'm only going to be able to do a couple things a year. This way, if we're just making small bronze, 400, boom, they're out, they sell out, we, we pack them up, we ship them off, next. So we've been able to do a lot of things, which is, it's, it's for my own personal gratification, which is, I guess, selfish, but it's like, I like making a lot of things. I want to make, you know, this, oh, that's great, next. Oh, I love this, next. You know, that's, that's my mode of working. Uh, if I had to make something and then, hold its hand for six months while I got rid of every copy and made sure everyone in the world who wanted one got one. I would have got disinterested and walked away, you know, four years ago. Yeah. I think you can kind of see the love that you know, that goes into it and the work that goes into it with each item that, you know, it is like a unique thing that only it's not like, yeah, you, it's not, you're not required to buy these damn things. Right. But, it, it, but it's like, if you have a remote interest in this kind of music, I feel that, it's advantageous to have something that, you know, is a unique item that goes along with that. And yeah, I think it's an interesting model. I got, I'm, I'm going to, I never bitched about it, but I'm going to flat out say, I didn't quite understand when you very first started doing it, but I got it pretty quickly when I saw like, Oh man, the package and this is nuts. Like it's yeah. crazy. He's like making all these. No. And part of it too is it's like, you know, so pe- there, there's a certain element of people who, you know, bitch about the pricing. It's just like, well, there's twofold. One is those things are cost a small far- fortune per item to make right. compared to a, like you're just crapping out of, you know, sending in the graphics and the, 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 you know, CDR to the pressing plant and getting back a pre-made single and throwing them out, whole different ball game. You know, there's that element. Plus the other factor too is like, all right, we're making a small amount. There's no fucking reason why the artist and the band shouldn't make some of the money. And it's kind of like we let the market dictate that, you know? Right. And it's like, find the, the, the level. It's like, you know, we could go a lot higher and know that at the same time, you know, there's times, I guess we, we, we did this with the Melvins. Like, God, 
me and Buzz, it started, one of the first ones we did this way was probably more than 10 years ago. And we made them, like, they were like four bucks or five bucks for a single that we only made 200 of. Well, they averaged on eBay within a month, they were going for 60, you know, $70 on average, if not higher. Right. It was like, man, you know what? The band should be getting that money. Yeah. And we found the, the level, too, where we raised the price up to where the band gets the money. And it it was kind of funny because we had to keep, it kept going up. And then as soon as we hit one point, it was great because that was that was the mark where it was like, most of the people getting this are just getting this because they want it. Right, which is a, which is a great place to be. But if we be. sold it too cheap... If we if we were selling it cheaper, there was other, a lot of other people getting in there that would then buy three four copies to do hit the secondary market with. So it was kind of one of those weird figuring out for the first time because there wasn't any any you know guide map to follow of like all right it's got to be up high enough to get kind of shove those guys out of the way, and then just go straight to the person who wants it. They're happy, we're happy, we move on, we do the next thing, you know. So it's a kind of a, it's, it's been a weird weird trip in that that respect too because there was like you know certain elements a lot of pushback from uh, a small minority of really loud annoying fuckers <laughs> uh, i think that's their official term really annoying yeah fuckers. i think so yeah and that's what they're known as on online the, the really annoying fucker element well it's almost like that old computer game that the lemonade stand game where you would price the lemonade you know you you would buy they have to buy the ingredients if you price the lemonade too low you wouldn't have money to buy your ingredients and you know, it was sort of basically how to teach kids about like capitalism and and, and money and stuff. But it's like yeah. the same sort of thing that if you if you're letting them all go for too little money, then yeah, you are selling the thing, but you're actually you know losing money on it, or just nobody's able to make a profit on it. Nobody's speculating on eBay for uh, lemonade, of course, but or discogs or whatever it is people are up to. Oh well, but I've seen it's hilarious too because I'll see you'll see the stuff where it's like people said you know they sold this many of these records at this much price. Those guys pocketed this, you know. Twenty thousand dollars, and it's like, okay, yes, that project grossed twenty thousand. Right. And I have to remember, there's like four band members in a label involved. That that you know, you split. First off, you take off the real cost you're just ignoring. Pull that off. You know, you go through all these elements. And now down to you know, Cody gets some, Dale gets some, Buzz gets some, I get some. You know, go down the list. You're not talking about some sort of you know Van Halen, Led Zeppelin payday. Right. You know, you're talking about guys who this is our living. This is what we do. So it's like, you know, you carpet, those guys, you know, they covered a month's rent. So it's like, you know, and that's fair. But there, there's this weird punk rock thing where it's like people are not supposed to make anything right. ever. No, that's true. And it's like, God, no one, no one's, you know, trying to scrabble out. Like I said, you know, Led Zeppelin, like, well, we got the Melvin's jet. We're going to fly into Detroit. It's like no one's even remotely talking that, but it's kind of it's kind of strange where all of a sudden it's like, well, if you like these guys, wouldn't you want them to make a living? Yeah, I totally second that. And and that's part of it too is like keeping it interesting for everybody. Yeah, that's great to hear you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I I missed what you said. Oh no, no, no. It's fine. I just I was saying it's refreshing to hear that because I've noticed that as well, and I think it's unfortunate because I see a lot of really. Oh, it comes. You'll see it. You'll see it live. Like I'll, I'll I'll do merch with the band too, and you'll see people complaining because the shirt is you know twenty dollars. It's like what the fuck planet are you on, man? <laughs> <Go to> yeah, Target. <laughs> I know. T-shirt's gonna cost you twelve. Like, don't buy a shirt then. You know, buy this one, this a, is actually this is a way else. to help the band. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like nobody is forcing you to have this thing, and if you want to have it go to something that's not like fucking Starbucks or something you can spend the money on it. And nobody is forcing you to do that either. 
but you have this option to have this like unique thing and yep. support something that's outside of you know this this crap factory that is the majority of the world yeah i mean to a point like to make a point i always buy merch at shows if i have the money to buy it no ma- and if it's too expensive then i get the cheaper thing or i if i don't have the money then i don't get the money at least you went to the show or i don't have you know like i it's refreshing to hear you say yeah. that cuz i i think that it's unfortunate when people sell themselves short of making money like sure you don't have to sell your soul to the devil but you should make money if you can make money <laughs> right no i see that all the time where bands are selling their their lp for like 10 or 12 dollars i know that fucking thing costs them 7 dollars to make it yeah you know, just raw manufacturing, you know, just not including recording time, rehearsal space, gas to get the fucking equipment to, you know, I mean, no other expense other than just to make the record. And you're just like, okay, guys, that's fucking retarded. Yeah. You know, it's like, if that was any other product, when you're talking about it, like, and I hate to say the word product, but it's true. If it was a, a hamburger, a cup of coffee, uh, a fucking pair of pants, shoes, whatever, you know, it's like a 20% markup. Are you kidding? Those guys stay in business. They realize they have to charge more to keep their doors open. Right. Bands need to kind of do a little bit. I understand they don't want to and the reluctance to do it, but it's like that's one of the problems where it's just like no one minds the shop. Well, it's kind of not cool to sell them for that much. We'll just sell them for 10. Geez, I wonder why we didn't make any money on that. We can't do another one. You know, it's like, dear, dear. No, and, and I, I, you're, I'm with who you. Who knows? I, I don't. I certainly don't have the answers for everything. I just figured it out my own shtick, which is like so we can keep going. The band can always go in and record and be rewarded for it right away. Um, you know, so it's like you know, so it's it's working. What can I say? Well, no, and I think you know, and and I gotta say, I, I, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, I've been guilty of that exact thing. And there's some weird punk rock guilt that comes into the mindset of like, oh, I know that this is has value, and I know like what it costs to make this, and what you know what it costs for us to be here like this far away. But for some reason, you want to apologize <laughs> to the person who's buying it, and it, maybe some of that has to do with the fact that someone's like, oh, I only have you know twelve dollars, and I've been seeing you drink beer all night. You know, you had enough for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I I hate that excuse. I've heard yeah, that. Yeah, come up, people. come up to me half in the bag, telling me you only have twelve dollars. It's like, motherfucker, I know these beers here cost seven dollars a piece. <laughs> right. You don't walk up to the bartender and say like, "Oh, I only have three. Can I, <laughs> can I get one?" You know, laugh you right out of there. Come on. Well, here, there's here's like here's like here's the weird comparison I always saw because I've always been involved with like poster artists from the early days of Amra, you know, Kozik and Coop and and. Sure. Yeah, uh, Derek Hass, and go down the go down the list of all those all those guys, and there's still tons of new great artists out there. It's like a vibrant community. The weird thing is, you go to like Flatstock, or you see like anyone who, you know known. No one hesitates for a second to go twenty, thirty, forty dollars for one of these posters. Right. Doesn't even <laughs> hesitate because it, it. Those guys managed to to be on the side of art, so it's okay to spend money to. I would always joke, it's like, motherfucker, that my sleeve on this record is the same exact cost as his poster. <laughs> you know, it's so yeah. crazy still. You know, it's like, you wouldn't even hesitate to buy a, 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 a you know, I'm just picking it out of hand, but I like Coop, buy a Coop print, you know, $35. That's a fair price. That's great for Coop. That's art. That's what it's worth. He doesn't want, it's all good. But it's so weird that the same dude buying that 
print for $75 and I was going to bitch because Band X is in a club and they want $15, $20 for the record. <laughs> it is a very is weird, really weird phenomenon. Like, yeah. Why, you know, that weird thing of like, why do we assign a value to this, but we don't assign a value to that, you know? Um, yeah. and, it's, and it's one of those crazy things where I guess we'll, you know, it's like, it's kind of like the Olympics. We always liked, we, we herald this, this arcane, you know, amateur status that all musicians must adhere to, you know, like Olympic style. Like you can never turn professional or, or, or it's over. We'll have to throw you out. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. And it's weird that it's so specific to music. And as you mentioned, like doesn't apply to other visual arts and things like, I don't know. I got no answer for it. It's a weird phenomenon. It's, I, I think the only way that, and the only way that I personally found that to get out of that is to make, <laughs> this is terrible. Is to make it someone else's problem. Have someone else sell it that like, isn't in the band or whatever. And you know, have, and then they know that like, okay, yeah. this is someone else's <laughs> livelihood here. And yeah, you get a little bit less of that. Well, then. I think, I think the big, I think the big step, the big hurdle, I think the big hurdle for everyone to get over is, like I said er- earlier, is you wanting this thing is not about music. You can go get the music for free. We all know that. You can either, you know, half the stuff's on Bandcamp for free, or you can get it from your buddy who will download it for you. And, you know, that has it, burn a disc, whatever. We all know that at this point, I'm to thinking about it because the music is free. That's just the way it is. Technology right. did that for good or, or worse. I personally like it as a fan. I, it's fucking awesome. Like I can go on, you know, surfing YouTube for hours, listening to new bands. You know, it's like a kid in a candy store. I've never had that type of access in my life. It's awesome. You know, there's like uh, one of my favorite bands right now is, is Dynervan out of, of Germany. That's one of those things. I was stumbling around on YouTube and came across a weird video and just instantly fell in love. It's like, this is fucking great. And then pursued it. Sure as hell, they had all this stuff on Bandcamp that was like a dollar. <laughs> right. <laughs> all of a sudden now I've, I've found this band in Germany that I really like. I've got, you know, a couple albums from them for basically next to nothing. I'm sure if I looked for it for free, I could have found it, you know? Yeah. But it's like, everyone has to disassociate the, the tchotchke from the music. It's like, now, now to start looking at it for what it is. It's like, a, you know, the way I look at it is it's art. I've always considered them art. I've always, you know, fetishized my vinyl to a certain extent, like a lot of people do. It's To me, it's always been different than the music. I have a question. I'm curious, um, based on like, what you're expressing here. How do you feel about Spotify? Um, at the end of the day, if someone's making a shitload of money, they should be paying people. Yeah. You know, and there's ways that what they, you know, they claim to pay, you know, basically unless you're Michael Jackson, you ain't seen any of it anyhow. Yeah. Right. It's one of those weird things where it's, but at the same time, you know, the shit, like, I've, I've had people post damn near every AMREP album that was ever released. You can go listen to the whole album on YouTube. Yeah. Um, that's, like I said, that's part of part and parcel of, like, well, that person just kind of gave away what me and the band worked to get out there. Can we run, you know, is there a way we can run? No. It's like, at a certain point, it's not about the money. It's, uh, it's, it's like, kind of confusing because it's also... The way, the way I look at like YouTube and Spotify to a certain extent, it's yeah. the new radio. Yeah. Right. It's exposure. And back in the, back in the olden days, 
we never got paid by radio. I mean, granted, AMREP stuff was, you know, was only going to show up on college radio, but there certainly wasn't any payday involved in there other than the exposure. You know, if all the right. college radio stations were playing Halo Flies, then we'd have more people at the show when we showed up in Poughkeepsie. You know. Wow, you've, you've played in Poughkeepsie? That was Poughkeepsie? the only advantage to it. So it's, it's, so it's cool. big and confusing, I guess. Yeah, it is confusing. I agree. Well, and so you, you we've talked a, you know, a bit about uh, the art and you know making like the unique product. Do you have like a favorite piece of, of art that you've done for like a record cover or a limited release or anything along those lines? Is, is there like any like odds-on favorite that you're just like, wow, that's the one? I'm so that's that's exactly the way I wanted it to be. Pretty much, usually whatever the last one I did was. All right. It's usually, it's usually whatever the last one I did was. <laughs> no, it's, it's uh, I'll, hopefully it's like you know. Usually it takes a good good chunk of time to look back and go, oh, I really like that. That stood out to me or something. Normally it's like literally I'm most excited about whatever is getting worked on or just wrapped up, you know. I still get a rush out of like, you know, stuffing that first single and then holding it up and looking at it, flipping it back and forth going, ooh, yeah, ah, nailed it, got it. Oh, that part was good. You know, that, you know, that, that self-congratulatory pat yourself on the back moment <laughs> you usually have by yourself. Right, right. <laughs> it's like... I still, I still get a rush out of that. I still like that. You know, I finished like all that work, finally pulled together, getting it off the printer, getting this, getting that, get the records on, boom, bang, bang, and then boom, here's the first one. Ah, oh, you know, that still gives me. I still really get off on that. So, um, that's usually the most favorite thing. You know, there's always, hopefully, you're continually keep doing stuff that keeps giving you the same rush. Totally, and, and I think it's that's kind of the same with the art too, where it's like nothing. You know. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I was just going to say, I mean, I think that that's, yeah, there's a crazy body of work with it, but it, it seems like it's, it's, it's a living thing. Like what well, it's, there's always some new awesome thing that is, that, that you're doing. And I always, I always appreciate that as someone that's relatively relentless myself and certainly relentless and finding new cool stuff. I think that's a, I don't know, it's a laudable trait. It's kind of awesome. And it's, I think it's so fascinating. The, so the relationship you, you have with the Melvins, I think is great. And that's something that it kind of, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of genuine friendship there, right? Oh yeah. I mean like no, no schmarmy bullshit talk. Buzz is literally one, if not my best friend, you know, we've, we've been that way for years. You know, it's like, we we'll always joke about how we'll, you know, sit on the phone, like a couple of school girls for hours on end to talk Aww. about shit in general, <laughs> but, uh, we're working together. Working together wise, it's it's like you know hand in glove. Um, we've I I can't think of a handful of times. There's I, I can't think of any offhand actually where it's been. You know we hit the wall because it's normally like it's that perfect yin yang where it's like he just lets me go on the art front. I never question it. You know it's just like we just simpatico and off and running. We ha we share the same twisted sense of humor and the same aesthetic. Um, he still can't believe I don't like the Beatles, but other than that, <laughs> that's a. F I'd like to hear that debate. <laughs> well, it's okay to be into different things, you know. He's like, really, you really, you you don't like to be. This would be like in the many many times. You really, you don't like. No, I don't fucking like the Beatles, and I don't like the fucking Rolling Stones. This will go on for like forty five minutes to an hour, back and forth. It's usually good. <laughs> Do you have a short answer to why you don't like? I mean, the the Beatles. I've heard that one before. I haven't really heard the Rolling Stones, but 
the Beatles for me is just like familiarity. Like I've just, all that stuff was pounded into your head. Like, you know, yeah. Um, I'm 50 years old. So it's like, there's no, there was no way to avoid it for big chunks of time. Right. The stones, I just don't get. I think that's a deal with Satan. Like <laughs> Mick Jagger signed a deal with Satan. Cause there's no other fucking way that explains it to me how he's that big. <laughs> I don't know, but at the same time, it's like, you know, the Kinks and the Who, I fucking love those guys. Right. Yeah. So, you know, other stuff in the same era totally does it for me. It's like the Who is one of my all-time favorite bands. Maybe they're all aliens and you have, like, but, a really great yeah, alien the detector. Thing, I don't know. It's kind of too... <laughs> I said maybe they're all, like, reptilian shapeshifters and you just are the one that knows. <laughs> like, like in They Live or something? <laughs> You're like, nope, I don't trust you. Nope. I know something. Maybe. Well, I can I can spot all the people who made the deal with Satan. I can I see them a mile oh, away. Oh, really? Enlighten us. I mean, who, who, stars, else? You know. who else? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who? <laughs> Come on, Led Zeppelin. Come on. Yeah. That's We've all cool. seen beneath that veil now with all the all the songs they ripped off. They weren't even writing their own stuff and having that huge hit. Oh yeah, it's called uh, Lead Belly. Led Zeppelin. You got like the MC5 or Blue Cheer, like ten times better than them. Yeah. So. I see where you're getting at there. No, and uh, it, it's kind of it's it's interesting to me that there's kind of this mindset of of just being conservative in what you will try and what you'll listen to, and that harkens on what we were talking about earlier, and just kind of like taking the path of least resistance. I kind of feel like you know with 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 AMRAP and Touch and Go and never felt that way at all. I kind of felt like, oh, there's like a, a treasure trove of like badass weird stuff here if you're interested in, you know, kind of digging to find it and and getting into it. And maybe it's not going to be for everybody, but that's kind of, I think you guys early on, I think you put forth an ethos that kind of previewed what the world is now, which is easier to kind of like, oh, this is my group. These are my people. This is like something that I'm into. And it's interesting to see that kind of like turn a little dark, <laughs> I guess in some ways, but still be kind of like better than ever. And and as a great equalizing force, like you said, I mean, the internet's basically the new radio, right? It's how people like discover stuff. Hey, here's my, here's a YouTube link of like a badass band that I found. That's, you know, from Croatia. And here's like some show they played to like two people on a Monday and Oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's great that, like, like th- finding corollaries to things like that and just finding people getting things right. Like, I mean, the Blind Shake is a perfect example, who I, I know you enjoy. There's the, the 7-inch that I was super stoked when that came out. That's a band that just does its own thing. They're like this crazy surf rock, <laughs> garage rock band from space, but, like, not like Man or Astro Man necessarily, just, like, they sound like they're from another planet, but they make these amazing songs and they're so intense and good. And like, it was always like one of the things like, wow, this band is like the best oh, man, band. Have you, seen, have, you ever, have you heard the new, the new uh, shadow and the crack stuff they just released? I have not, but I'm very excited to. Um, cause yeah, it's funny. Cause it's like, they just started that up and it was actually bright you know, last, last way winter, last spring. I setting up doing the, putting together the bash 15. And I was talking to those guys about playing. I said, you know, combined shake playing they're like, Well, What's the dates? You know, we're doing the back and forth, and they said, "Well, we, you know, Blind Shake can't because the drummer's got to go to a wedding or something." But we got this new thing we, we're doing called Shadow in the Cracks. I'm just like, I, I don't want Shadow in the Cracks. 
come on. Right. But I'm like, oh, well, he goes, I'll send you a track. I'm like, okay, fine. I, I didn't say it to him. I'm thinking to myself, like, I don't, I don't know this new thing. What the fuck? Sends me a song, like two songs. And I'm just playing those two songs over and over. They're so fucking good. It's like, hell yeah, Shadow in the Cracks. But it's a weird thing because it's like they started doing this thing without the drummer. So it's the Baja Brothers. And they did a whole album. It's fucking amazing. It's kind of like a blind shake with a big dash of scientists. and That sounds know, great. It's kind of an Aussie swamp thing mixed in. It's really, really good. But yeah, definitely, definitely check it out. Yeah, hell, we'll play some, we'll play some of that. I love those guys. Cool. And uh, and and Tom, yeah, it's kind of a different angle for them too. Look, you know. I'm looking forward to listening to that. That's going to be great. Uh, I was I was a couple things I want to hit on. I, I want to talk a little bit about Grumpies. How did how did Grumpies come to be? Uh, that was a that was a, a weird one. I was it was pretty much at the height of AMRAP, chugging along doing that. My dad was uh, had been down in Tennessee working, and kind of wanted was trying to figure out how to do a summer retirement, and uh, came back up to Minneapolis and was looking around for a bar when he found the place he wanted he needed a, a partner because he couldn't you know uh get in there by himself so he talked to me and we i checked out with him i was like sure i'll be your silent partner so we went in on it together and within like the first year i kind of realized i kind of dug it you know dug doing it the, the work and stuff involved right um and then it's kind of been running with it since then you know it kind of became the day job and we gave me an alternative to like be able to shut down Amrap at one point too, because Amrap was my day job. I was like, screw it, I'm doing the bar thing back in the late nineties. Well, and it's interesting too, because since you do have shows there, you know, on on whatever limited basis, it's kind of I don't know, it, it's a model that <laughs> I guess you don't see a lot for bands and, and artists of a certain ilk and culture that, that I come from. So it was one of the things where I was like, wow, that's awesome. Tom Hazelmar opened to like a, a bar. Oh yeah. It's a burger place too. They're awesome. Like I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's great. You know, I, I think it's, it's interesting. In part it's, it's, in part it's cause it's, it's not, it's not, um, it's, I mean, one of a certain aspect of me, the way I ran the label, the way I've done everything in my life, there's a, a hardcore meat and potatoes aspect of, getting shit done, getting bills paid and doing stuff that, uh, and the, the, the restaurant reflects that. I mean, the first, the first grumpies was a hardcore blue collar restaurant bar, you know, uh, the whole nine yards. It wasn't, there wasn't, it wasn't a, a rock and roll vanity place. It was right. a real you know thing. And they all are. Um, but we get to bring what we like to the table as well. You know, there's, we'll do weird stuff, but it's not, there's no airs about it on a certain level. Yeah. And but at the same time, we're doing art shows in the side room. So it's, it's kind of weird. It kind of seems like a value added thing rather than like the main thing, which you don't see a lot of that kind of attitude that, that kind of, I don't know. It's, it's not risky per se, but like a little, it's a little more daring than like, I guess can't fail cafes uh, by one of the green day guys. Right. And I guess that's fine. But like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's a fine enough they good hamburger, well, whatever. And, and and I guess the different the difference being he can afford to fail. Right. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He can take some, some some you know. At the end of the day it's like we still gotta sell enough burgers to pay the fucking rent. So You've heard too big for fail, this um, is too broke for fail. You know, that, that that I I don't have a problem with that because it's like it keeps you grounded, it keeps you you know, keeps shit realistic versus just kind of running free, you know, 
having a bad cocaine habit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I just had to throw that in there. So I guess, uh, you know, and we've talked a lot about, you know, discovery process and, and you know, all, all the different ways to discover music and things like that. What what stuff, what newer things are you really into, Tom? I mean, you mentioned uh, there was one band uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier. Um, his name completely escapes me now, but I wrote down. <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's I'm always, I, I'm the worst person in the world for this. Uh, there'll be like five five or six new things that are just like I'll literally be playing I'm one of those people that drives everyone crazy because I'll play the one album for a week straight right like over and over when I'm into something could be old could be new and yet like if you ask me this question I'll be like oh fuck um, I can't remember you know Dinervin, uh was I think the band you're thinking of that I just yeah, talked about Dinervin, they, yeah they had a new album come out they're, they're about four or five albums into it they're really young too. It's fucking great. I mean, it's kind of uh, I don't know how to describe it. Definitely has kind of a post punk vibe, but it's not you know humping dry humping the corpse of it. Right. Uh, but at the same time too, it's like I'll go back and forth where it's like I'm listening to something brand new, and then also like a big kick for two weeks straight. Much to the chagrin of everyone around me, was the Equals. You know, the 60s. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Of, uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eddie Grant's first band. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's... Like that, I, I, <laughs> I got like, you know, I, that was just like two weeks straight, nothing else type of thing. Um, Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, it'll, it'll bounce all over. As far as new bands, I man, I, yeah, I'm hard-pressed. I'd have to be at sitting on the computer and pulling up iTunes and go through all the, you know, Donna, Donna, Donna. I have a horrible memory for detail. <laughs> you know, there's like albums I've listened to a million times and I couldn't tell you three song titles. Right, it's right. Like, uh, it's always been keeps life fresh, though. No, and you know that's <laughs> that's a laudable thing. That's a great thing. You know, everything's a rediscovery. <laughs> As a friend of mine said, every trip around the the, the fishbowl is brand new journey for me. Wow! Hey, Tom, this has been—it's been great talking to you, man. This is a—it's—it's uh, it's been quite the honor. Yes, very much so. Well, I hope, I hope it was interesting. I, I was going to warn you up front. It's a little late now, but it's just like doing a bunch of of uh, uh, antihistamines for allergies, so I'm a bit bit punchy, bit little off off the game. You, you're you're <laughs> like doing that. just fine. Hopefully, Ev- it wasn't. Everyone's too bad. a little. A lot of people seem punchy this if uh, this week. If that's any consolation to you it's not you're not alone in that <laughs> yeah like, next time i'll just do it drunk that's always better yeah that's much better <laughs> so amphetaminereptile.com no, is, is is the place to go to uh find out all things amphetamine reptile uh yeah, you guys are god on. no that, that's the website hasn't been updated for like three years oh really okay well then to go to like the facebook no, or I twitter say it, but facebook facebook is the place to be facebook is the place to be Look up amphetamine reptile records on facebook because that's where we that's where we always talk about what the hell's going on and update and stuff like that. So that's definitely, if you want to tune in, that's weird. I know there's some resistance, especially in the older, older punk rock circles. We're like, I'm not doing it. I'm sitting it out. It's like, well, knock yourself out, but that's what we'll be. If you ever want to figure it out. Right. Have fun living in your cabin and, you know, off the grid. That does sound kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, it does sound nice, actually. <laughs> Have a good time, Mr. Kaczynski. Right, exactly. Make your manifesto good. That's what I got to say about it. <laughs> That's a good motto. 
<laughs> uh, Tom, no, it, it's been a pleasure, man. And you know, thank Welcome you, guys. Thank you for doing what yes. you do. Well, thanks, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, truly a pleasure. Nice well, thanks for having me, and uh, got you guys. All right, man. Well, take care. All right, take care, brother. Tom Hazelmeyer, amphetamine reptile. What a cool guy. Yeah, he seems like a cool guy. Good dude. Good dude doing good stuff. And uh, I, I will. You can take that to the bank. And they will say that is not legal tender. That is Conan Neutron's opinion. But that said, it is the correct opinion. And you should go out and, uh, I guess, go to Facebook, you know, if you're on it. He's on Twitter, too. Doesn't have to be Facebook. Uh, let's, hear, uh, let's hear that Blind Shake single. I love, we love the Blind Shake here. Yes, shake it up. Shake it away. Shake away. <laughs> shake, shake away. Do I sound like an old lady yet? Shake it up.
right, that of course was Halo Flies with Tired and Cold, one of my favorite singles of theirs. And before that, we had The Cows with Hit the Wall. It's all with your whole damn white man. Before that, we had... This is a Radio Nope world premiere. Shadow in the Cracks. That's uh, that's the Blind Shake Boys. It's a Timeless is named that. That's the record that Tom was talking about. And that's brand new. You can find that on SoundCloud. I think Goner Records is doing something with it. Before that, we had... Labor Day by The Blind Sheik, who are one of my favorite bands, and I absolutely adore And We talked about that record as well. Talked about a lot of things. Lots of stuff. We laughed. We cried. We learned a little something. It's a full day, man. <laughs> it is a full. I'm exhausted. It's a full day. All in two hours? <laughs> Jeez. It's a lot. We covered a lot of stuff. Freaking intense. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Everything's great. You know, it was a good show. Enjoyed it. Go to Amphetamine Reptile Records on Facebook, according to the man himself, to find out about everything Amphetamine Reptile. Or Wasted Gator. Wasted Gator. Don't Wait. search that. You won't find anything. <laughs> you you might find, find something, anything. actually. <laughs> I'm going to search <laughs> that later. Yeah. <laughs> search that if you feel like it. But truthfully... We will not endorse the results. (laughs) Amphetamine reptile, not wasted gator. There's a wasted blood Gator King split 7-inch. Whoa. That's the first thing that comes up. Wasted gator playing at Gilman uh, next Saturday. Next Saturday and last Saturday, they can travel through time. (laughs) It's crazy like that. Back to the Future up in here. Uh, And I thought I was the only one with the dated references. I am also old. Hey, uh, that's been the show. This show is called Protonic Reversal. It is. It happens every Thursday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea. RadioNeutron.com for the archives, for the podcast. Rate it on iTunes if that's the kind of thing that you're into. And, uh, you know, don't if you're not. It's fine. What do I care? I've got 50,000 watts of power. We're on the Facebook as well, if you must. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are. Both of us. Radionope.com. Best radio station in the land. Count on it. In all of the land. This microphone. Anything else? Into electricity. Not currently. All right. Can you hear me now? Catch you next time. Out on Namaste. One twenty-eight. You're dark and lonely. Later. Check you later. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?
if you're the fifth caller. Or any caller at all. Welcome to my top ten. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. if there's no one there to receive. It's the end of radio. As we come to the close of our broadcast day,
Hey, hey! This is a real goddamn emergency! There are things we know we know. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know we don't know. <laughs> Excuse me. But unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we do not know. But there are also unknown unknowns. The ones we don't know we don't know. <laughs> Excuse me. But is this an unknown unknown? Uh, I'm not several unknowns, and I'm, I'm just wondering. I'm not this going. Is an unknown, I'm not going to say which it is. But there are also unknown unknowns. We also know there are known unknowns. That is to say, we know there are some things we things do not we do know. Not things know. we do not know.